0: Welcome to TC Daily, the technology show brought to you by Tech Central. If you're new in these parts, please subscribe to us on YouTube. The address to do that is youtube.com slash techcentral. You can also get our daily newsletter delivered to your inbox at 5 a.m. every morning. That'll include TC Daily and all of our local and international news that we cover on Tech Central. The address to do that is today slash Newsletter. Now, there's an incredibly incredible amount of exciting stuff happening in the satellite communications industry, and I'm very pleased to have in the studio one of the foremost experts in satellite technology in South Africa, and that's Dr. Davi DeVette. Davi, you are CEO of QCon, and you're also Chief Technology Officer of a company called, or a product called Tubi. Um, welcome to the studio. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. I think there's, there is so much going on in satellite right now and uh, I think uh, unpacking some of the exciting stuff that's happening is going to be really, really interesting. So th- thanks for making the time.
1: Duncan, thank you and thank you for the opportunity. Yes, yeah, Satellite has uh, been a little bit on the back burner, I would say, over the recent years, but it's been uh, rapidly changing. So, yeah, 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 a lot happening, a lot of interesting stuff.
0: And um, we're going to try and unpack as much of that as we can in the short time we have today. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> but before we get into that, um, let's, let's chat a little bit about uh, QCon for, for people who don't know the company. It's been around since the late 80s, as I understand it.
1: Yes, 88 uh, actually. So mm-hmm. It's been a long haul. Um, very did, you, thankful. did you found the company? Um, no, I was adopted into it very very soon after its okay. sort of birth. It right. is it's actually a company from the Q Data and Machon groups. So oh, it's actually yes. got a very, very sort of uh, long long history. I remember Q
0: Data. It eventually That's became right. part of Persatel which was with the right. and today it's B C X. That's right,
1: mm. yeah, which was then Pit Sturker and Piedenbour.
0: I remember Peter. Yeah, He was one of the first People in the IT industry that I interviewed as a young journalist oh, in the see. mid-1990s. Yeah. He was yeah. quite a character.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that was the formation of QCon. Those okay. days, actually, for military and as a system engineers. And I think we, right. we kept that golden string a little bit. <clears throat> so QCon is basically a company that designed solutions. Mm-hmm. Initially, we did it for multiple technologies, wireless, voice-over IP, uh, microwave, um, did interesting things in Africa. Like we took UHF data networks um, and evolved from there into today, like a system satellite specialist company.
0: Okay, so, you know. but always in the um, you've
1: always been in the communication space. Always in the communication space. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting.
0: And your background? Um, you you have a doctorate. Um, what what's your education and um, how did you come to QCon?
1: Very much a uh, Pretoria uh, University, tucky student, mm-hmm. and and then into defense like those days, right. recruited into defense, defense into projects, um, and into basically the development, arms uh, part of our arms school subsidiary, was recruited into QCon for a defense project, and then basically a lot changed in the country. That was 88, 89, the whole political landscape changes, and then basically, um, From there I started the journey in QCon, yes. Mm -hmm. So um, initially as one of the system engineers and then MD and then CEO and then we built the group. Okay. Yeah, it's... um,
0: It's very much satellite (coughs) focused today, but back then you were looking at all sorts of
1: communications technology. and uh, I believe
0: you actually pioneered a lot of stuff as well
1: we did that the focus always is to match technology and business in a unique way or in a different way so some of the stuff we were the guys that did wireless the long distance wireless links the first time Mm -hmm. i mean there's a rand rand fontaine links we did long distance we took wi-fi underground we married data modems and uhf tv um so always trying to put technology and for this discussion quite interesting if you want wi-fi to propagate in a tunnel make it look like satellite.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So satellite waves are spinned in certain ways to help with propagation. And if you use the same principle for underground tunnels, you actually get propagation. Otherwise, a tunnel will actually basically uh, squash the signal, so to say. Right. Yeah, so we're always sort of doing different things on the, on the putting together of solutions.
0: Okay. You know? And I believe you were involved in some of the first ever tests of IP over satellite as
1: well. Yeah, today IP over satellite is standard. You know, everybody mm. uses it everywhere, but it wasn't always like that. So early 2000s, um, the actual pioneers was PanamSat. PanamSat is then mapped into DentalSat. Mm-hmm. So those days, PanamSat engineered the, the, the platform and we were the engineering partner for Africa um, from our office in Nigeria. So our old friends, Stuttler, Burtz and uh Pitch Swimmer and those guys were part of the team. And we pioneered the IP over satellite discussion. And then from there, there's an IP sat, and we drove and the whole discussion mm-hmm. and the whole industry. And yeah. today, IP over satellite is nothing new, really. It's, yeah. it's, it's moved on a lot.
0: Yeah, um, but back then, it was, it was pretty new. You mentioned you, you did some long-distance wireless networks in the late 80s, was it?
1: Yeah, yeah. <coughs> because Wi-Fi those days were not Wi-Fi what we have today, but the technology was there in the access points. It was a product... Um, Aeronet mm-hmm. that was actually later adopted by Cisco. So we okay. had the Aeronet agency and Aeronet plus some antenna designs could actually did some long distance site to site links. Yeah. Um, what yeah. sort
0: of speeds were you able to get over those old Oh, things? we
1: were like, f- there was a 4-meg product, there was a 2-meg oh, product. wow. It was wow. awesome. Yeah. Okay. It was like really awesome. So, <laughs> And we did for many of the councils. I mean, we did um, Joba Council, we did the East Rand Councils, and yeah, so um, linking, creating wide area hmm. networks. Um, okay. What was it used it, for primarily? Um, building the building, office, office networks. It okay. was a... Yeah, so it was a prelude to fiber. Right. It was the days when the fiber wasn't as prominent. So the alternative was basically, you know, just off the dial-up. Right. Those days. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's strange to think back then. and strange to think that whatever is today so common didn't really exist then. It's, it's yeah. like, yeah, you have to really th- sit back and make sure you've got your facts right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, you're, you're also the um, chief technology officer of, um, is it a company called? T- it's a product. T- product called, t- is it Tubi or Tubi? It's to be. To to be. Yeah, like to be connected
1: or not to be. Right. And and, and because spelled
0: we. Spelled T-W-O-B-I. Yes. Mm.
1: Yeah. Which is uh, all of the letters of what's got to, into the product. So mm-hmm. it's a mix of uh, Antelsat is in there and iDirect is in there. Oh, that's clever. Um, and, and a couple of things. And. You know, when we created the product brands, you got to look, well, we wanted something unique. Mm-hmm. Y- you, of course, have to get the URL. So you got to make sure you can get the web page right. and the URL. And then we wanted a bit of a character because we wanted to be a little bit of a character, a money key, and we could actually do a logo from it. Right. Um, and it was important for us to brand it as a product. Um, It is the fourth-generation platform, and you learn a lot in each platform, sometimes technology, sometimes business, sometimes go-to-market. So Mm -hmm. most of the lessons we've learned is mostly around go-to-market. And the issue with satellite has always been branding uh, awareness, promoting. Uh, Mm -hmm. It it is sort of telling the story and and promoting the story. And we wanted the Tubi story to basically have some proper legs in the media. Mm -hmm. Um, and also because QCon as a specialist system engineering company, not so easy to go from there to a product or go to market product, a B2B product. And hence the uh, creation of 2 with its website, with mm-hmm. the branding and, and all of that.
0: So, so is so. it a B2B service or B2C? B2B,
1: business, B2B, business, B2B yeah. business
0: to business. And it's a satellite broadband service which you're offering Across countries in Africa?
1: Across countries, yeah. When was um, it launched? It was what? launched in actually um, 2018 okay. and then we had 2019 and the two COVID years. So right. this year we were just like recapping the other days. Is basically our first proper, let's say, full business year, so to say. So okay. our, um, mostly to address business connectivity.
0: right. Right, through uh-huh. a specific satellite?
1: Uh, constellation of satellites. We've uh, launched this with IntelSat. We've also now joined up with AMOS. So the whole idea is to be uh, leveraging the satellite capability. Mm-hmm. So satellite networks are basically networks built in the sky. So yeah, they have a longer synergy with uh, relationship a little bit with, um, from a concept point to cellular. So there's yep. a network, and from that you need to create a product. Okay. Um, and then it's a matter of how's the product definition, and we can talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. and where it's positioned. So mm-hmm. we are, yeah. um, we we basically focusing on on what we brand as a smart satellite service, mm-hmm. and and smart around functionalities and features like SD-WAN and voice and layer two and and all in all trying to make it as close to a wire as we can. Right. So there's a lot of work in in putting in the complexity that actually for the architects make it a cable replacement. Because if you're a network architect and you architect a retail network, mm. um, you're going to need satellite, but you're going to need it only for a certain amount of the locations. It's not your mainstream connectivity. Now, to bring in satellite into that network, you don't want to have complications. Mm. Um, and hence, it's got to be a little bit easy to plug it into your network core.
0: Okay, um, so, so is it aimed at um, at companies that have, branch offices or retail groups that have stores out in remote areas that don't necessarily have access to good connectivity. There's there's two sweet
1: spots for satellite, and it's basically fundamental in the technology. One has to remember, fiber is ultimately Mm point-to-point. It's a piece of cable, it's got two endpoints, and you can string it off, but it's a point-to-point technology. Wireless is point-to-multipoint, so Mm -hmm. you've got a distribution environment. So satellite is basically distribution on a mega scale. So -hmm. you've got the anywhere angle, and you've got the high availability. So where that fits in for business is two applications. For high-demand applications like branches and um, sort of high data use, it's a perfect backup service. Right. Uh, even today, we've seen a lot of high demand spiking up because you're not terrestrial uh, linked, you're not uh, linked to towers and the tower failure. so mm-hmm. it's, it's always, always been a high availability. So there's a branch backup, business backup, Uh, type of uh, sector or span portfolio of solutions. And then there's the primary ones. If it's important and it's critical, it's basically satellite. Mm -hmm. So it means ATM... Point of sale, ATMs. retails, um, broadcasting, um, I- any sort of classical. Now I'm talking a little bit of a subsector of satellite. One has to remember there's a big market in maritime, there's a big market in aero, there's a big market in government defence. Um, mm-hmm. So they're still on the peripheral of our business footprint, right. but it's also a very big market. Aero specifically on board, on board. Um, you know, onboard passenger Wi-Fi okay. um, connectivity to ships. I mean, nowadays I can take a gigabits of capacity onto a passenger ship. Astonishing. Yeah.
0: Astonishing. Yeah,
1: and it's obviously still not enough because you can never get enough... Those big ships, no? (laughs) Yeah, they're massive ships and there's Wi-Fi is a massive demand. So satellite has has moved long, long um, into the feature type of spectrum. Uh, You know, the old problems of slow, expensive and the latency Mm -hmm. problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's rapidly getting into
0: history. Yeah, well, let's let's start to look at some of the innovation that's happening in the space. Now, I I think... um, I mean, I cover the tech industry, and, and my perception is, um, is somewhat, uh, you know, we, we hear every day about new undersea cables being deployed. We've got the Equiana cable coming from Google that's going to encircle Africa. There's the Two Africa cable from Facebook. Uh, we hear of telecommunications companies deploying thousands and thousands of kilometers of terrestrial fiber. We know that Vumatel and OpenServe are deploying fiber into our homes. Uh, it seems that fiber is, is everywhere these days, and everything is getting interconnected so it's quite surprising that uh, we also hear that there's so much innovation going on mm-hmm. in the satellite space. Um, where is this demand coming from? If we're all getting fibred up and the telcos are rolling out 4G and 5G services, where is all this demand for satellite con- connectivity coming from? Um, if you have to look
1: at you've got to look at the stats and the unconnected gap and things like that. Okay. Bit. So generally, it's it's the connectivity demand. So yes, it's a bit of a... I would say almost a bit of a hype and and not always, in my mind anyway, exactly quantified. But Mm -hmm. if you look at fiber and you look at 3G and 5G, there's a big overlap of the areas that's been covered. Sure. So, I mean, um, I think it's almost 50% of Africa lives within 25 kilometers of a fiber and the rest not. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's there's a big area there so the demand is the always on connected demand in all all forms and fashions of course cellular is a big drive for this cellular backhaul is a big satellite market sector um So salinity drives it, Um, fiber basically creates the certain demand. So the biggest demand for us we see is the people that want connectivity and can't get it. And that's on the peripheral. One always thinks that the big market is out, say, like far rural or interculture, for example, or real. It's it's not actually. It's on the perimeter. It's around the metros. It's actually where the business activities are high, yet the connectivity is weak. Um, and remember, actually, the only fixed alternative is fiber. LTE in the cellular networks is plugging a gap in a way.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, yes, we have now fixed LTE, and Ryan has got some solutions. But uh, generally, normal mobile networks is not meant to be a fixed connectivity mm. solution. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, let's say, the ongoing demand of the consumers. Um,
0: mm. Mm. Fascinating. Okay, so... Um Uh, But I I imagine there's there's demand as well for, for satellite solutions in areas where there's already dense connectivity for certain reasons.
1: Yes. Yes, when um, would when, when you need that? Um, it's the uptime. Mm-hmm. I mean, ATMs is a classic. You will see them here in in Gauteng. There's an three.
0: ATM down the road here in Randburg that has yeah. a satellite dish attached. Yes, and right you would
1: there. see three of them at the Fed petrol station. You know, different yeah. brands of banks, and they all three will have mm-hmm. a dish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so it's the uptime and the uh, the high reliability, definitely. Broadcast, mm-hmm. of course, um, from a technology point of view, DST did a great job in terms of leveraging that and and driving that. Um, and then uh, the availability in terms of reliability for branch backups, mm-hmm. and then everything else that moves. So um, trains, uh, ships, cargo, not really residential. Yeah. Um, residential is a market sector, but that's purely gap filling. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's sort of driving that. So yeah. we, we see from a user point of view, very strong business. Um, and then the consumer, the general, one has to be careful if you talk consumer. I mean, we're in a country with, what, 50, 60 million people. So a consumer market um, must be millions, and satellite is not there yet. Not there yet. So satellite is, is not yet, even though there are some consumer-level products and there's some products positioning for the consumer market, it's not um, purely because of capacity and scale and volume, um, not really to service two, three millions of subscribers. Mm. Um,
0: but there are, there are companies looking at, at, at pushing into this space, uh, Elon uh-huh. Musk, Starlink being one of them, and I want to spend some time talking to you about Starlink and what it means and who its competitors are, et cetera. But I was thinking, um, as, we, as we start to look at the, the te- technological changes that we're seeing in the satellite industry, I thought maybe it would be useful to, to group them into the GEOs, the Mios, and the LEOs, and talk about what's happening in those three areas. And, and for people who don't, are, are new to the satellite space, the GEO is the highest... Yeah. orbit that's a geostationary satellite that's right yes then you've got the mio which is the medium medium earth. earth orbit and then you've got the leo which is the low, low earth, earth orbit earth. now the geo satellites I believe will stay up in in orbit for much longer than other satellites which have a much short shorter lifespan is that correct
1: it's actually the time it's it uh, travels around Earth. So the okay. stands still relatively to you. Right. So that's the geostationary dish, basically. The satellite's uh, relatively position is still. Mm-hmm. So it travels at the same speed, uh, so it orbits the Earth at, at the 24-hour cycle. Right. Because it orbits in the same rotational speed than basically your your location on earth, okay now Mews are coming closer, so their orbital speed is faster, so they will have about like a nine hour cycle, right. and then you get LUSE, which is closer, so they move over you faster so if a, if you look at a geo satellite, it actually looks as though it 's not moving. Mm. And, of course, any dish you put up, the old classical dishes stand still, so there's no issue about the satellite moving. Uh, if you look at muse and Lewes they would move. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the antenna changes and the designs are changing.
0: And the closer Um, to the earth they are, the more you need of
1: them, right? You need of them because the cellars are smaller, Mm -hmm. um, but also the shorter the latency. So that's the whole trade-off. So this latency spook almost comes from the distance the beam travels. Right. So if it travels from earth all the way to the geos, then that is where this 650 milliseconds round-trip delay comes Mm -hmm. from. So the MEWS are basically half that and the LEWS are even more shorter. How important is latency? It's a big discussion and it's a very open discussion at the moment because the LEWS are leveraging that for sales. Mm. Um, And it's not that important. Yes, some applications, if you have a a very old rigid application like maybe a banking application or something that is not... Um, cannot be set for different latencies. Yes, the applications doesn't want to work. But mm-hmm. we've seen voice, real-time video, video surveillance over applications. All of those working over geostation. So right. latency is not such a showstopper or business yeah. application.
0: So only, you only really need latency when you, if you're a gamer um, yeah. uh, playing online with other yeah. people or if you're in financial services and you're doing r- real-time yeah. trading, trading, for example, where that's yeah. so important. But if you're doing that, you're probably going to be doing it over a fiber connection, I would imagine.
1: Unless you're trading in the States. Did you know that the Starlink filing to FCC was actually motivated on financial trading?
0: Oh, really? No, it's because
1: know that. The, the actual latency, the actual predicted uh, low jitter and predictable latency from a Starlink link yeah. is actually better than fiber.
0: Oh, wow, really? Wow. Yeah. That's astonishing.
1: Yeah. So, although the public comment is always about connecting the unconnected and all this broadband and all this, let's say, um, that type of agenda, the underlining business cases for them was very strong. Actually, mm. high capacity point-to-point links. Right. Interesting. But Interesting. before we go to Leos, I just want to share with you something. What sort of made this into or uh, possible is rocket launch cost. Right. It's become quite cheap to get stuff up there.
0: Is that SpaceX is doing?
1: SpaceX helped a lot. So NASA was at eighty-five thousand per kilogram mm-hmm. okay this was early days mm-hmm. then SpaceX basically slashed it with a factor 10 with a falcon and then with those, the, yeah, the next SpaceX again and then again so now they're nearing $100 per kilogram wow okay so that's a massive reduction in cost to get stuff up and of right. course that drives the and that's
0: made these networks possible yeah but let's um. let's let's take them in order. So let's start let's uh, I think LEO is probably pro- possibly the most exciting mm-hmm. area. So mm-hmm. let's get to that last. Let's talk about geos first, geostationary satellites. Um, th- these are the satellites that like Intel Sat twenty-eight that deliver DSTV into your house, for example. That's right, yes. Uh, Is there exciting stuff happening in that arena
1: it is and one needs to be careful not to always think that's old and lewis new so that replacement type of thinking so that's going to be phased out there there's a um, provider actually viasat viasat plans some launches into africa probably next year or the year after and they're looking at a terabits per second capacity satellite one
0: terabit per second
1: yeah total capacity total capacity for now that is almost a fiber connection Mm. Undersea C- fiber cable, mm. so uh, it see it tells you what they can do, and that will be geostationary and they have a strong logic, of course, why they invest in that. So um, then, the other thing happening there is software-defined networks. So one of the difficult things about satellite was always the business case lifespan. You you basically need to have a twenty to twenty-five year view on the market, and mm. I mean that thing was like difficult. Probably in the past, it's getting more difficult because you need to basically conceive the satellite, do the design, get it into manufacturing. That's a two-, three-year, maybe five-year cycle. Then launch it getting up, and then it's a 15-year, basically, operating cycle. So, And that's fixed. There's no ways you can change things. So software-defined satellites are going to change all that. And that's even in a due space. So you won't have to actually be so long-term... Rigid in what the satellite. Can when you do. say
0: software defined, you mean the so- the satellite is reprogrammable.
1: Yes. Okay. So can move capacity into different markets because before if you made a design and you were hoping your market would be Angola and something happens politically or whatever mm. and you can't access the Angola market, that stock availability is basically dead. You mm. can't actually repurpose it. Or um, yes, in some cases they could reposition a satellite and they could do some sort of that type of re-application. Now they're talking about software-defined, where they will actually program the satellite in terms of, and in some cases very dynamic, and in some cases very swift. Um, Changing what it does. To, uh, yeah. To whom and where and how much and how fast. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and also time to come as, of course, have devices that talks to all three of these constellations and 5G all in one.
0: Mm. Mm. Um, okay. So, so some interesting stuff happening in geostationary. Those are the most expensive satellites to launch, right?
1: They are the most expensive. They are limited in where they can be. They can only be on the equator. There's Why a is single that? arc. It's just the physics. Okay. Uh, because they need to rotate at the same sort of velocity than Earth, mm-hmm. and the only place they can do that is around the equator. Uh-huh. On that arc, that's 334,000 uh, kilometers uh, from the equator. Okay. And, and that's that's sort of the, it's the clock Belt in the name to a science writer actually in the 1960s that, that got all this going. So it's very limited and it's the orbital splots, it's high demand. Um, so it became a, a very sort of cluttered community up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were the Jews, long-term, one place. Um.
0: do they provide global coverage, or did they only provide coverage over certain <coughs> latitudes?
1: Um, they the best that they can, and you actually only need three. So that if you position with three sort of beams onto the Earth globe, mm-hmm. you can actually give a, get full coverage.
0: Of all the continents?
1: Yeah. Except Antarctica, I presume. Except Antarctica, yeah, because mm-hmm. of the look angle. Yeah. And um, But then, of course, it's, they're not so high-powered, so they're not that high-speed, because there's a trade-off between cell size mm-hmm. and cell capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, like all cellular networks learned that if you want to build capacity, you have to make the cells small. Yeah. And, of course, that logic is now moving into Lewis and Muse as yeah. well.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's still a lot of investment going into geostationary sa- satellites. Big time. Mm.
1: Big time. Um, and as, as recently as probably three or four years ago, Lewis and Muse was m- lots of questions around that. Remember, it's not the first time this technology is launched into the market. Mm. It was launched before and then the companies didn't succeed and business cases. But this time around, the business cases are very now. different. Mm. Yeah, but the money proposition are different. I mean, Starlink's um, source of income is not necessarily Starlink. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the big player coming in is Amazon Caper. Yes, Amazon has a completely different business case in a in a very um, robust one in that sense. So the the pressure is not always to actually turn the specific satellite case on its own in isolation. Um, you talked the other day about um, Space Mobile, I think. AST Space uh, Mobile. Space mm. Mobile. Mm. Interesting, their business case also anchors into another industry. So the, the current LEO mu satellite constellations doesn't always have a standalone business case, mm-hmm. which makes it very sort of robust for what's coming. Mm.
0: So there's, there's a few companies here, and I might be missing some, so feel free to jump in if there, if there are others we should be talking about. But maybe we should chat about these. I think most of these, except maybe one or two, are, are focused on the low-Earth orbit. Uh, we've got Starlink. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about Starlink because that's the one that consumers talk about the most. It's Elon Musk's venture to deploy or make broadband available to everyone on Earth, basically. Um, it's launched the satellites are up. What size is the constellation going to be eventually? He's heading for twelve thousand satellites. Wow!
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a completely different scale. Mm. Uh, I think he recently filed to make the twelve thousand even more, um, and he, they're going to be replaced. I think three or five year cycles. So there's a lot of more uh, sort of a usable nature into the satellites. Yeah. Completely different constellation. Um,
0: these this, must be very small satellites, right?
1: They, they are small. Um, they would be interlinked with infrared. So there's a fabric in, the, in around the globe that links all these satellites with infrared. And then they have the the links down to you as a user. So the connectivity would be from your user dish mm. to the constellation, which will then actually go... Um, Rotate around you. So it's not just one satellite because LEOs will pass. Mm. So, um, therefore, you will actually link to the satellite and then it's a handover, another handover, and then down to a gateway. Now, the big discussion on Skyline uh, is in the regulatory is the gateways and the locations mm. of the gateways and the rules around that. And because somewhere along the line, they need to connect or plug in the satellite network into the terrestrial network. Right. And, and by virtue of having a gateway, that's sort of the point where that interconnection and is done. You
0: need one of those in every country, do you?
1: Ideally, mm-hmm. at least in a region. And ideally in each country, because it's also about some of the connectivity remain local yeah. and uh, you want that type of angle. Yeah.
0: Do we have a gateway for Starlink in South Africa?
1: There's a lot of discussion. Um, I think I don't prefer to comment on this, but okay. yes. <laughs> um, watch the space. Watch the space a little bit. They, they postponed the launch. Mm-hmm. So they, they're not clear to activate in South Africa. They're okay. clear to activate in Mozambique and, and Zambia and Nigeria and Kenya.
0: Okay. When do you think we'd be able to use Starlink next year
1: in South Africa? Yeah. I don't think so. No. Um Basically, Starlink has a very different business model. Starlink believes in sort of a go-to market by himself mm-hmm. or by, by the organization. I mean, and rightfully so. Own rockets design and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and to access the Africa market, there's a lot of logic or benefit into partnering, leveraging in, in uh, regulators, leaving licensed players. So, uh, I think, um, it, it's for the other players. It's probably going to be easier to get into the market first. So Starlink is not going to be the first to market. Mm-hmm. It's the first in the media, mm-hmm. uh, and, he's, and very good at he's very good at
0: marketing himself. Very
1: good at marketing, and there's a lot of uh, logic around that.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. So there's some other names. OneWeb. Who are they?
1: OneWeb is uh, very credible. OneWeb is a is similar and a little bit different. OneWeb uh, is now part of Utilsat. It, it was as uh, the UK government shielding and then um, this, this uh, so international banks in, and Utilsat is now brought in. So OneWeb following a different approach, a little bit more of a collaborated approach, um, also high-speed capacity. So we're gonna see basically connectivity to business. So OneWeb has choose a little bit of a different strategy, um, not so strong in consumer, of course. None of this is for sure, Duncan. One well, has to keep in mind, mm. you know, we're commenting on what you learn what's and what coming. you see mm. and what's mm. coming, but none of this is real. So, none of this is actually given fact. So, OneWeb is definitely going to be, I think, go to market a bit sooner. Yep. Uh Address business applications, uh, picking that area uh, type of thing. So, um,
0: okay. okay. Then there's a company called Empower. Yeah. Um, which I think you said uh, it will bring up to a gigabit per second capacity yes. to a single installation. Yeah. Um, is this also a low Earth orbit?
1: That's medium auth, interesting enough. Mm-hmm. So they have opted for that. So Empower is, is a product more. So it's SES Empower. So the ah. uh, SES is a, is a satellite network European operator. operator. Yeah, mm. European are very, very strong. Uh, probably the leading uh, in broadcast industry yeah. in Europe. Very, yeah. very strong. Uh, very credible. Um, they've developed Empower, which is the follow-up on o 3 O3B. O3B uh, other might, three billion that's mm. right um, so o3b was the prelude to empower uh, completely different in uh, spectrum in terms of application and uses. so yes then we're going to see high, high end circuits uh, very much fiber replacement so I think Duncan it's also interesting to see the spectrum satellite is covering you know mm. from from the consumer stalling type of environment business with one web high-end fiber replacements with Empower. so um, very much an, an out-the-box type of play coming. Mm.
0: Um, mm. And we, we touched on AST Space Mobile. Now, they, you know, they've partnered with Vodacom here in South Africa, I seem to recall. Uh, they've just recently launched a whole bunch of satellites on, on a SpaceX rocket. Who, who are they and what are they going to be bringing to market? They have an interesting
1: philosophy and in ex- extension of the cellular networks. Mm-hmm. So they basically partnering in a big way with mobile operators, but not as a um, mobile operator as a customer. They want to reuse the mobile network frequencies. And oh, they yeah. actually, so your phone, um, the idea of the model is that your phone will interconnect with a normal base station. If it's in range, if it's not in the range, will connect to a um, space mobile satellite without any th- changes in your mobile. That's the big difference. Yeah. So they plan, and there's good logic in this. A couple of clever moves, perhaps. There's no frequency type of um, issues or getting secure, being allocated frequencies. They have like a natural go-to market channel. You basically have a, the mobile networks as your default collaborator. It would be interesting to see what they do with the data cost mm-hmm. and how they bundle that, and uh, you know, how do they, how seamless or almost seamless they can do that. Um,
0: but the idea is then that you, if you go out of, say, vertical like Verticom coverage area, you'd switch to satellite. Is that right?
1: Yes. Although you will switch to a base station located in the sky. Okay. Because it's not satellite. They use the same base station frequencies. Yeah. So your phone actually will switch to that sort of um, yeah station that mm-hmm. happens to be in the sky using a frequency set that you will use later talking to normal base stations.
0: Right. So, so you might not even know that you've gone
1: from a terrestrial to not. a satellite. Definitely yeah, uh, I think they plan to have a user intervention to choose yes or no, or whatever. I think the revenue and the billing will actually oh. force them a little bit that oh. way. Mm. Um, I don't think they're going to get it that seamless uh, unless the network operators, you know, merge it a bit or take mm. up some of the costing.
0: Mm. Um, well, we're hoping to get Vodacom and Sports Mobile on the show sometime oh. soon to talk about their plans. So it should be oh, should be interesting, interesting if we can if we can do that. Now, um, does that take care of the, the Leo's and the Mio's, or are there other initiatives underway as well?
1: Uh, I think that takes care of them. The main yeah, ones, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then there's um, something Just by the way, for reference, there's like 15 projects. So we're not going to talk all of them, but sure. there's a bunch of them coming out, actually. Well, uh, wow. There's some China ones launching, there's some India ones launching. When all of this has
0: yeah. happened, will you walk outside on a dark night and just see dots moving across the sky?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of thats of the downside of all of this, there is that thinking now. Starling, for example, uh, paid attention to the satellite design to make it not reflect the sun, yes, because what you see is the sun, they reflection. painted it black, but yeah, mm. so there is that concern, and I think it's valid, yeah, um, and it will probably be addressed.
0: I know astronomers have voiced quite a lot mm. of concern about not being able to yeah. do their observations yeah. with all this. Lights and there the are some
1: worrying subjects: space debris, um, launch uh, collisions, um, mm. satellite collisions. So all in that, all that growth is not going to be with zero consequence. Yeah,
0: um. with all these uh, low Earth orbit satellites, and you spoke about twelve thousand or more mm. on, on uh, Starlink. Uh, should I mean, are we con- should we be concerned? These things are going to start falling out of the sky.
1: Uh, not as a physical damage. No, no. no. Because by the time they get here, they'll burn out. They burn uh, out, okay. But But other satellite network operators should and are concerned.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. About accidents
1: accidents and mid and air collision, collisions, collisions um, snowball accidents. Because as they one need the other one, you get fragments and fragments mm-hmm. and fragments. And yeah, you know, there, there are some modeling that, that right. can be quite scary. Okay. Know.
0: So you could end up with a lot of debris in the low mm-hmm. Earth orbit. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um now there's there's a project called Lightspeed as well, which um, which I believe is one of the more interesting ones happening in the Geo space. Yeah. Um, what are they doing?
1: Geo is the um, light speed is that one gigabit per second. Oh that's the gigabits per uh, uh, second. Terabits per second. Sorry, terabits okay. per second, yeah. Mm. That that is light speed. Okay. And it's interesting because they have Africa very much on its radar, um, and probably will you know, it's not much known in public domain, but probably 23, twenty three, twenty four come into it, which is in different capacity. And I think what's interesting then is the volume of capacity that comes into the industry. If you add all of that up, Mm. it becomes about 200 terabits per second. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Amazing. And just coming back to one of your earlier comments and why people talk. Uh, we don't know about satellite, but it's, a, it's basically a, a media marketing awareness. And because satellite is a niche technology, mm. you don't see the mainstream telecoms promoting that. Mm. And we know about technology, what the media tells us. And the media tells us what the mainstream telcos want them to tell us. Mm. Okay, So if the mainstream telcos do not promote satellite, which they're not then the general public won't be aware of that. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the, I think, the issues we have to overcome as a satellite service provider.
0: Well, is it is it really the mobile operators that are going to bring satellite technology to end users, or do you think it's going to be done by somebody else?
1: My guess is somebody else. I mean, if you look, if you just sort of look a little bit at history, I mean, what happened when we go from fixed to mobile, mm-hmm. when, when fixed was basically the fixed op- uh, network operators was established and mobile, this was in ninety 19- five. Oh, 95. Yeah. Then mobile came and then, uh, there was a lot of negativity and will it work and won't it work. And basically then Vodacom was formed, m was formed. And, and we basically saw the start of a complete new industry. Yeah. Uh, why? Because the incumbents didn't really sort of believe or picked up or had this, or what, for whatever reason, didn't really... We
0: with it. Everyone, I mean, yeah. so, there's so many people back then thought fixed lines were going to be the future, Correct. not mobile. In fact, the mobile operators themselves were forecasting no more than a couple of hundred thousand Correct. customers yeah. in the long term, yeah. and yeah. they were proved completely wrong. Yeah. Overtook uh, the fixed lines.
1: I mean, there was a lot of criticism of why this technology in, in, in Africa, we should develop different things. Mm. Yeah, And I'm going to e- sort of guess the same with satellite because if you look now, you've got fixed line and mobile. Mobile revenue is massive. So mm. we're talking maybe a satellite network, a 200,000 users. It's still a fraction of the revenue of the mobile operator. So understandably, they're not going to get overly excited and jump at this. At the same time, it's not going to be where it's now today, yeah, so definitely, with that type of capacity coming in, we're going to see a a significant specialist industry, yeah uh, and then who knows where that goes you know if it if it's significant and it forms it it might grow its own
0: future, and it's very much would um yeah. I mean I just by the, by by the very fact that the company is Apple, there was a lot of uh, attention focused on satellites in cell phones at the mm. recent iPhone 14 launch. Um, they um, I forget the exact details, but you pointed your phone at the sky at a specific part of the sky, your phone would tell you where to point, and you could then send an emergency message if you're in trouble if you're out hiking in the mountains and you need help, for example. Very really limited sort of application. Um, but it got a lot of people thinking about satellite how important is this iphone 14 satellite launch and how do you see that technology developing in smartphones going forward
1: i think it's import, important very important but for a slightly different reason the, the real importance sits in the core mm-hmm. so the core of these networks are going to be 5g so once the core is involved to 5G, then it becomes less important, how do I connect with this? Whether it's Wi-Fi or satellite or mobile network or GSM, then I'm into the satellite core. And this functionality, this feature, I think will help bring that interoperability because to have that SMS working, you need the satellite network to back talk into the GSM network right. core. So the user functionality, perhaps the skin highly, highly specialized, perhaps maybe gimmicky, maybe a bit marketing-centric, mm-hmm. but very necessary and very powerful in driving the back-end core integration because there I think things will evolve mm-hmm. um, because we need to get that standardization right. One bad thing about the satellite industry, it's very much not standard. Mm-hmm. So this network and that network and that network in terms of user devices is not interoperable. And that complicates development, it complicates standards, it yeah. complicates mass production. It complicates a couple of things um,
0: okay but so. but with give just give coming back to the iphone iPhone fourteen mm-hmm. announcement, um presumably other handset manufacturers I think Huawei's already announced something actually similar they may have done it before the iPhone did it uh, how How do you see this particular f- functionality being integrated into smartphones going forward? Do you think it's going to become very much seamless like ast Space Mobile and Vodacom are perhaps suggesting, um, or our or vendors, or, or sorry, our smartphone manufacturers, are all going to go off in different directions, do different things. How does no, it evolve from I there? I
1: think it will. will the 5G standard is fairly much there as a guideline, um, and the. Uh, some of some of those subsets of the standards. And I think that will drive the interoperability. Yeah. Um, and then we will see more and more of that. Uh, of course, initially it's an SMN, it's, it's like an mer- emergency application. They need to drive a little bit on a couple of things and speed and usage and capability. Yeah. Um, but yes, ultimately, from a consumer point of view, there is just one device mm-hmm. and it is a smartphone. So mm-hmm. if you want to get to that consumer market, that's what you need yeah. to do.
0: So, I yeah. mean, in five years, if I, when I buy the iPhone 19 uh, <laughs> and I go out into a remote part of the country where there's no cellular yeah. signal at all, will I be able to communi- continue to communicate? I think would.
1: Mm. Yeah, the question would be to what extent and at what price points mm-hmm. and what function functionality. but definitely you would. That's coming. Uh, it's okay. coming.
0: Okay, um. okay. Do you think there's um, an overinvestment going on? I mean, we, we saw in the late 1990s in in the t- sub subsea terrestrial, sorry, the subsea fiber markets, there were cables built particularly between Western Europe and North America, massive overinvestment. Uh, and a lot of those companies simply went bust. And uh, I think that capacity was only uh, filled up probably 10 or 15 years after the it was built by the telecommunications operators. Are we seeing a similar overinvestment happening now in satellite? Do you think there's a risk that some of these companies we've been talking about today are going to go to the wall?
1: I think we see maybe some of that because of who they are and because of their own business cases, they might not go to the wall. Uh, because these projects doesn't really need to turn the business case that quickly mm-hmm. or that independently. What is true, though, it's easy to always say we're going to connect the unconnected. And, and I do think that goal is sometimes a little bit oversimplified. Right. Yes, even today, there's only 50% of Africa connected. If you want to connect the rest, it's probably going to take more than just a small satellite dish. So in that sense, I think, yes, there there, there is still a little bit of a wake-up to say, okay, so where is this business case and what drives it? Mm -hmm. Um, And the rest of the delivery, I mean, if it is a dish that needs to be installed, you need to think about the Runs and the logistics and the S&T and all of that. So Mm -hmm. there's more about delivery than than just making the technology cheap and fast. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that space, there's, I think, still some gaps to be filled. Um, Of course, it's a chicken and egg thing. Now, at least the capacity is there. It's invested. It's available. So there's a lot of impetus and motivation to make it happen.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but it's definitely some bold steps, uh, I think definitely. But keeping in mind, big, big chunks of their business cases are mobile and aero. It's always sure. a little bit off our radar in terms of generally here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the big business cases can easily turn or at least mostly turn on not fixed terminals. Revenue.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you've painted a very exciting picture of, of what's coming in, in, in the satellite communications industry. Uh, Maybe just without giving away too much about your own strategic plans, give us an idea of how QCon plans to participate in in all of this uh, activity that's happening and how how you guys are going to benefit from it.
1: Interesting. I think, firstly, we're excited to be right where we are. Mm. I think we're well positioned to take new stuff to the market. It's been sort of our legacy, and and Satellite gives us that opportunity. So we're brilliantly positioned to sort of found the way forward. Um, We plan to stay who we are. We are a specialist satellite operator. Yes, we do know the industry is going to change. So in that sense, yeah, we're not quite sure what's going to happen. Uh, we have a lot of, I think, capability and intrinsic value. We do understand we're not the, the mass delivery company. We're always the specialist company. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, we are working on projects like 100,000 users, which we probably won't deliver to the market ourselves. So we will have to partner or team up or collaborate or find ways for our go-to-market yeah. strategy. All right. um, but yes, I think uh, for the next five years, it's going to be an interesting ride.
0: You're going to be busy?
1: Uh, yes, definitely, in a good
0: way. Dr. David Devet, CEO of QCon, thanks so much for a fascinating discussion.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Duncan.
0: Nice being on the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye.